Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, Every month or so, we want to devote the podcast conversation to the emerging gen. And uh, today, I've got a pretty exciting conversation with uh, one of our emerging gen leaders here at Southridge, just on kind of the state of the union on what they're experiencing and how they're ministering to emerging gen people these days. And so I want to welcome to the podcast for the very first time, Judd Stoddy. Judd, say hi to everybody. Hello, everyone. Uh, Knowing this is your first time, uh, walk us through just the ABCs of you and your family and just your personal background and all the get to know you stuff. Yeah. So as Jeff said, my name is Judd. Uh, I've been hanging out at Southridge for uh, just over two years. Uh, We kind of just started getting plugged in before the whole world turned upside down. So that's been that's been fun. Uh, but uh, prior to that, we were living in Edmonton, Alberta for most of my adult life. I moved out there at the end of uh, university to finish up a degree, ended up getting a job out there and staying out there and setting up, uh, setting up family life out in Edmonton, Alberta. So came here, like I said, the uh, Labor Day weekend kind of, of 2019, I guess that would have been. And we're uh, looking for a church to get plugged into and uh, had, had a few connections with Southridge a little bit. So we thought we'd give it a shot. And uh, it's been fun to, to get plugged in at Southridge. So it's kind of how I got there. Yeah. Your only or your predominant Southridge experience has been through the pandemic. That is so rough for you, I'll just say. <laughs> yeah, we had, I think we actually, we, we had literally just gotten familiar, not like connected enough with some families that we had some uh, like some barbecue times set up or some dinner times set up on our calendars for like April and May of 2020. And and then, whoops, that happened. That didn't happen. So yeah, that, looking that to try to try, to try to try to kick some of those again. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about what you're doing for work these days, knowing that, you know, you talk about this season in Edmonton, uh, you do have ministry and uh, local church work experience in your background. You've got ministry in your veins. Yeah, so uh, I'm actually a, a pastor's kid slash missionary's kid, and so I've kind of been in and around the ministry world my whole life. Um, when I moved to Alberta, it was to pursue a more uh, specific degree in youth ministry, um, or a degree that would cater more to a, a career in youth ministry. Um, so when I when I got out to Alberta, uh, I ended up getting a, just involved in whatever church I could get a ride to, and then... Shortly into that school year, I was made aware that there was a, an internship the following year and that if I wanted to, I could basically run the junior high youth ministry while the youth pastor uh, kind of focused on the high school and then young adults ministry. So I jumped into that in uh, 2003. And then I was the junior high intern there for a couple of years, uh, almost two full years. And then in early 2005, my, my youth pastor, my boss, he, he transitioned into a different role kind of in the church and in the denomination. And, uh, the church asked me to be the student ministries pastor. So, um, was the student ministries pastor at a church in Edmonton called Central Baptist Church. It's part of the North American Baptist Conference. And, uh, I did that 
um, straight up until 2019. Uh, not always as the youth pastor, uh, but for the bulk of that time was the pastor of student ministries and to tried a few different other things. Uh, one was actually by, we kind of made up a job title for me and that was to be the emerging generations pastor. So it's kind of fun that uh, you've framed this conversation using those exact words as emerging generation. Um, so yeah, I was, I was there doing that uh, and then did some other preaching and stuff like that in, in that ministry world. But, but really, really uh, the bulk of my ministry career has been spent working with uh, youth and young adults. And now here in Welland, uh, I find myself in a, in a little bit of a different playground, um, but I'm, I'm loving it all the same and uh, able to kind of see a lot of similarities to it. But um, I'm actually uh, hanging out at Starbucks Welland these days uh, as a ship supervisor and getting to yeah be in the community in that way. And I'm having a lot of fun doing that. That's very cool. Well, for purposes of this podcast, you can consider yourself an emerging gen pastor. Sounds uh, good. Because we often refer to, we don't want to call them the next gen. They've kind of labeled that themselves. They said, hey, we see ourselves more as the emerging gen uh, when we're referring to youth and young people. So uh, that's what we're going to that's what we're going to dive into. I guess for, first things first, just to press into that in your own life a little bit, Um you know, I appreciate the narrative of kind of stumbling into an internship and the joys of promoting from within. And, you know, there's so many of those stories that we've been familiar with around Southridge. But uh, outside of growing up as a ministry, in a ministry context, pastor's kid, like, where did the passion for student ministry come from in you? Yeah, I've been thinking about how to kind of articulate that more concisely. Um because the funny thing is, or maybe not funny, but uh, for much of my uh, much of my adolescence, um, I really wanted nothing to do with Jesus, um, and uh, was was struggling quite a bit with some some different uh, just growing up and adolescent rebellion issues, probably compounded by being a missionary's kid having moved around the world. Um, but for much of my adolescence, I didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus, and then as I started to find that road again um there was definitely a number of adults that kind of uh really invited me into that journey and really invested in me in that journey and so uh towards the end of high school my the pathway that i was on uh, i was going to be a high school math teacher i really enjoyed math and i found that i had a, had a good ability to kind of teach others. Uh, I was able to kind of help other people in my class relate to certain topics, mathematical topics, and help kind of convey those things in ways that the other the teachers maybe somehow weren't able to in the same way. So I had a full pathway to be a high school math teacher. And then uh, after high school, I was at a retreat weekend up in the Muskoka region. And um, yeah, I wasn't even, I wasn't like a leader in my group. I was kind of there as uh, on the leadership team for the retreat, but not necessarily for my church. But I remember the one night, um, the speaker, I don't even remember what the speaker was talking about, but there was a bunch of the kids from my church, uh, a bunch of the kids from my youth group that I had yeah, been growing up with. And they're just a couple of years younger than me. But I, I remember uh, seeing them respond to Jesus in a very authentic way and just really yeah, wanting to give their lives to Jesus in a wholehearted kind of way. And I, I remember just being in the back of the room and seeing that happening and just something kind of broke inside of me in a, in a really good way. Uh, it's like the, like the floodgates opened up or something. I just remember like weeping in the back and being like, that's what I got to do. That's what I got to be a part of. And um, 
like, yeah, that, that's what I want to give my life to is not, not just investing in teenagers in their math skills, but investing in teenagers in a, in a, in a much more significant way, not to, not to belittle any math teachers that might be hearing this, but, um, but yeah, so, so that weekend I, I kind of hung out with some of my mentors. My youth pastor was there and, uh, there's a few other mentors of mine that were there that same weekend. And I remember just hanging out with them and being like, guys, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, I think, I think Jesus just wrecked my whole plans for my future. <laughs> I think I think I need to readjust what I need to do. And uh, I kind of came out of that weekend and was able to make some other make some other plans. And then that's kind of how I ended up in Edmonton was shortly after that, uh, within the year or so of that, um, and pursuing an education that would more cater towards ministry and not math skills. Mm. So yeah, it's interesting, even in the, the, the marketplace version of your trajectory, it was still kind of investing in that high school aged student uh, before you yep. sensed that God was kind of really getting a hold and, and, and redirecting your life in a more uh, focused way. You know, what is it about that age group or, or about student ministry in general that you feel is, is uh, so critical or even for you so rewarding? I, I mean, I love that you even just use the word critical because um, like, I think I saw it in my life, just how critical those years were uh, in terms of my future development. And as I've now been able to spend almost two decades uh, hanging out with people in that season of their lives, I, I just am, I'm just so deeply convinced that there is no more critical season in a person's life than roughly age like 14 to six, 14, 16 ish to 24, 26 ish. Like, I just think that that decade in a person's life is the most critical and foundational season of their lives for so many things um for just the development of who they're going to be uh the development of what type of values they're going to have uh the development of kind of how spirituality is going to play into their lives uh relational uh development that happens in the in that decade uh just so many things and 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 of course there's tons of like sociological and psychological kind of uh stuff that can su support just how critical that is um but just as i've been uh, as I've had the privilege of walking with so many people through that season, and, and especially, as I said, being in one church for so long, being able to walk with students as they enter that season, and then even as they end that season, um, yeah, it just was so, uh, yeah, it just became so, so foundational for me to see that as such a critical, critical season in people's lives. Yeah, and I would hope for for Southridge members listening and for for ministry and local church leaders that that track with us as well to, to appreciate, especially if you've been around for a while, you, you realize that after that age or stage in life, like it's a very rare and major crisis that shakes a person out of the ruts that they're already in as far as who they want to be and how they want to embrace life. That, that trajectory totally. gets formed in that decade or so. I would totally track with that, Judd. And so for anyone considering... Well, and I think that might even be one of the reasons why I, like even just personally, one of the reasons why I've stayed in the trenches of youth ministry so long is because I feel it personally as an adult. I feel how hard it is to embrace change and, and want to uh, live in the the flexible reality of walking by faith that I think Jesus calls us to. And, and I think it's just so challenging uh, as an adult um, to, to continue to live in that space. And so I think, I think that's even well, selfishly one of the reasons why I love hanging out with young people is it, it reminds me um, 
that roots are really, really good. Like it's good to have roots, but also uh, getting settled is not always is not always a really healthy thing. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a ripeness and a a, a tillable soil uh, in 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 the heart of a a student or a a young adult at that age that that you know really makes it significant to to affect them. I, I guess I'm wondering now. You know, you, you've got like two decades of relationship with teenagers. You know, one question that I hear from people a lot, especially from, from church leaders is like, how do you connect with them? What are they, what are they looking for in a, in a leader or in a relationship with someone with whom they would give that kind of open door of, of influence. And so given how long you've been at that, given that today you're still in the trenches of that, how would you say that that you connect with young people? What's the best way to connect with them, and what are they looking for in a leader? Uh, I think, without question, the answer is you have to be cool. No, I'm just joking. That's an entirely <laughs> the wrong answer. It's entirely um, dress, and, right? <laughs> it's it's entirely the wrong answer. Uh, it's and, and the reason even I say that is is I, I sometimes joke that like I I embraced a really long time ago that I was not cool and that that was okay. Um, and to, and I think because we sometimes tie, we think this idea of being cool means you're relevant, but I think to be relevant means that you're present. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's the biggest thing is, uh, is being present, being authentic, being vulnerable. Um, I think, uh, I think just trying to, trying to both be real in and of yourselves. And I think honoring the individuality and the humanity of of any individual student um and so you can't i can't say well this is how you relate to young people because every young person is a person and uh every person is a different person and so there there is no there's no shortcut to figuring that out and so i think when you when you try to embrace that and you try to say okay well i want to i want to have a heart that um seeks to invest in young people so how do i do that well i i i find the young persons around me and I try to get to know them. I try to honor them. I try to respect them. I try to uh, have the the best wishes for who they could become. And, uh, and I try to lean into that. So, um, so yeah. That's a great answer. I'm wondering, you know, at a deeper level than once you've been able to connect to them, obviously you, you're able to kind of turn the corner and, and get into their not just the circumstances of their life, but get into kind of more of their soul and, and their spiritual temperature. And, you know, as humans, obviously with a, with a, a faith and a Bible that is, is timeless in that sense, like there are common human struggles and common generational challenges that people in that, you know, 15 to 25 ish decade face and yet at the same time, every generation has its own kind of unique challenges. So from your perspective okay. now with, with you know, almost two decades of, of landscape to look at, what would you say are some of the, the, the common spiritual challenges compared to uh, what you would say are the more emerging or unique challenges of young people these days? Hmm. Well, um, I mean, I think there's some, some of the unique ones would maybe be spoken of pretty widely in terms of, uh, navigating social media and internet. Like 
I'm, I recently turned 40 and I would be of one of the first generations that uh, had had that as a reality in my adolescent years. Um, and so, but, I, but even, even though I had that to some extent, like just the, the pervasiveness of social media and internet and how that impacts uh, identity and how that impacts uh, authentic engagement with real people around you. Like, obviously that's a, that's a increasingly uh real factor in the in the life of young people today and so um i think i think that's a, a piece of their faith too but maybe some of the more more general things especially i think in the in the context of this uh of the audience that we're looking at here um i i think uh the the journey that churched kids uh need to go on in order to make the faith that they see in front of them um, become their own and uh, and something that they can engage in, and whether they have a a faith that is modeled before them in extremely life giving and Jesus centered ways, or if it's more of a just a religion sticker that a family puts on themselves saying, "Yeah, we're Christians. We do. We go through the motions of church." Really, no matter where you're at on that spectrum. Um, I think the challenge that young people have in terms of developing their own faith and, and creating the pathways for those things to be real in their lives as they emerge as adults, um, I think that's a, that's a challenge for sure and a, and a journey that young people need to go on. With three teenagers, I would uh, completely agree with that, especially as a pastor parent. And, uh, you know, yeah. when you talk about yourself turning 40 today, the release of this podcast is actually my, my 49th birthday. So I'm officially turning well, 49 for the, for the very first time, uh, <laughs> one of many probably, but, uh, yeah, when you, when you're, when you're looking at that next generation, the, the owning faith for themselves or deciding whether I want to own faith for myself is, is huge. I guess my follow-up question would be. What have you learned helps that along, and what have you learned can can really hurt that? Um, well, I think what can really hurt that is um, how do I word this? I guess like the, the the tendency that we have to like maybe over package faith and just like compartmentalize things and be like, well, this is our is why do we do this? Well, we do it because we're church people, or we we do this because we go to church, or we do this because the Bible says so. And uh, just having the this the word trite sounds condescending. I don't mean for it to be condescending, but just the 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 triteness of that of uh, of just compartmentalizing our faith into this into this little box. Uh, I think I think I don't think that does any favors. And so I think the 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 opposite of that or the converse of that. Is to is the the more that we can contextualize walking with Jesus into every aspect of our lives, um, the the more readily I think humans, <laughs> but young people in particular, uh, can can create some pathways to do that. One example of that, like I when I was a youth pastor, I would have some some people like really try to not necessarily fight me or like push it on me, but, but really try to talk about it. Like you have to, you got to teach like good theology. Like we got to teach these kids theology. We got to teach them about 
sanctification and this and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, great. Like those are, those are really good things. And I, and I want to do that. But I remember just kind of always like be wanting to like put a stake in the ground a little bit and be like, I, I, I refuse to talk about theology if it's just going to stay as this like ethereal in the clouds, theoretical kind of thing. Like, I don't want to talk about God if as though he's just some distant idea. And so forcing myself then even in my own for faith journey but certainly in my journey as a as somebody who's trying to bring people along forcing myself to say okay well then how do i talk about really important theological things but not in a theoretical kind of way but in a this is on the ground in front of me and i can like i can grab stuff from that cloud so to speak and put it on the ground in front of me and know how to walk on it or know how to like hold it in my hands and know how it actually impacts me and so going on that journey for myself it 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 began to like even impact the the terminology that i would use like the language that i would use and be and trying to say okay well is is this language helpful uh is it is this language that is just kind of like catering to christianese that as long as it's in that box of of christianese that it works but as soon as i try to apply that to other parts of my life it just starts to break down and so um, I think I think for me that that's been a really important part of of helping young people um, go on that journey is trying to break the mold of what they think it means to be religious and even point blank tell them the point of this is not to be religious like I have no interest in trying to help form you into being a religious member of society but to get in my own face and get into their face and allow Jesus, the person of Jesus, <laughs> to get into my face and to say, what does it look like for Jesus to impact this part of my life? What does it look like for me to follow Jesus as a worker at Starbucks or for them as a high school student, as a kid getting his driver's license, as a kid getting his first job, as a teenager in the home of a pastor uh as a teenager in the home of whatever and just trying to really say this has to be about jesus this can't just be about faith development this can't just be about um passing on some religious label from one generation to the next it has to be about jesus actually impacting our lives and the joy of seeing that happen is well i think that's why that's why uh, the Christian faith is still alive today, <laughs> because yeah. because that's what it's all about. And when we, whether that's hanging out with adults or hanging out with teenagers, whenever whenever we can push all the fluff away and get back to letting Jesus be the main thing, um, that's where we find the fullness of life, right? So, yeah, no, that's a great that's a great response. And in combination with your uh, your dress code joke earlier, I, I hope that leaders of all stripes, whether we lead in student ministry or not, can appreciate that that's actually what it means to be, the term is culturally relevant. It's not a dress code. Yeah. It's not a, a a subject matter. It's a way that you discuss and ultimately apply the reality of the person of Jesus to the personality and the practicality of individual lives. That's what makes the chalkboard, the whiteboard, X's and O's theology relevant. It's not a dress yeah. code. And let me, uh, let me give just a quick example, one, one example of that, because I think um, it's easy to say, well, don't be theoretical, but be practical. So, so one example of that, um, like I said, with language, um, I, uh, 
you probably experience this. You're you're hanging out somewhere in a setting, and they say, "Oh, as as it goes, the conversation goes to, well, what do you do for work?" It's like, "Oh, well, I do this," and and then you're forced to say, "Well, I'm a pastor." And uh, when you when you tell somebody that you're a pastor, if they're in the church world, they kind of go, well, "Okay, I get I get that that what's what it means." Uh, if they're not in the church world, then either they don't know what it means, or they have all sorts of assumptions of what they think that means, and it's not always positive. Um, so so I found that I didn't want to just tell people that I was a pastor, and even when I thought as to okay so i didn't want to tell people i was a pastor um but then when i started to say okay well then what does that mean and as i'm hanging out with young people i was like okay well what does it mean that i'm a pastor well we could use more biblical terms and say i'm a shepherd i'm a guide all right that's maybe helpful but maybe not so i i came up with this phrase and it's funny because every time I would tell like my church friends or my other youth pastors friends, every time I would use this phrase, they would laugh at me and be like, they would just call me a dork. Um, but I kid you not, every time I've ever used this phrase to describe what I do or did uh, with somebody outside of the church, um, they then went on to explain how that was one of the most important jobs I'd ever heard of. And so rather than saying that I was a youth pastor, I would tell people that I was a consultant in adolescent spiritual development. And uh, so again, sounds a little bit cheesy and sounds a little canned, but when the way by putting that on the table and then having somebody go, well, what does that mean? And then being able to say, well, I think spirituality is an exceptional part of being human. And uh, I think in your adolescent years, it's really important to try to sort that out. So I get to be somebody that just walks with young people as they try to figure out what their spirituality is going to look like. And obviously, I worked at a Baptist church, so I came with certain biases, but always trying to say, like, I want to I want to honor the individual. And I want to just uh, be that guy that gets to walk in that. So that idea of being a consultant in adolescent spiritual development, rather than being a youth pastor, uh, even just having that phrase has opened up the door for so many conversations. And, and even now, now, working at Starbucks, um, certainly when I first had that conversation at Starbucks, people were like, well, what did you do before? Like the people who I'm speaking with, I knew that some of them had some really significant religious baggage in their past. And uh, so I, I said, well, I worked at a church. And they're like, well, some people are like, what did that mean? And I said, well, I, I was a consultant in adolescent spiritual development. And the way that that just lowered all the barriers and has allowed me to have countless conversations about, okay, well, what does that actually mean? What, is, what does spiritual development mean? Well, I, I think it immediately points to Jesus. And now I can talk about, now we, now we're talking about how does Jesus impact my life? And so I just think that idea of like stripping off some of those, the, the labels or the, or the, the, the easy Christianese talk and forcing us to say, well, what does this actually mean has been so important for me. And then even with so many young people of, of, uh, of, Having young people tell me, well, I don't think I know the right answer. I was like, well, there isn't a right answer. Let's talk about what's your answer. Like, how does this matter to you? And how is this going to matter to you tomorrow and the next day? And let's have those conversations. So that's a terrific, that's a terrific example. And a, just a 10 out of 10 illustration. I'll, I'll, I'll want to steal that at some point. It certainly sounds like you make about four times as much as a consultant of adolescent spiritual development than you would as a youth pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Fair like, enough. Maybe maybe, a, I, maybe I should have tried to put that on my annual review and see. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's 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 a lot more of a resume that gets you gets you places. So that's that's a great illustration. Sometimes hey, even I would say I was a liaison of adolescent and parent relationships. That's another one I do. Right. <laughs> that's a good one too. Yeah. Hey, um, we, we often in these environments will talk about how to influence the emerging gen, but the reality is that. The emerging gen uh, has a lot of opportunity to influence us and to take us personally if we're in relationship with them uh, and to take us as a church community or as churches for leaders listening. 
uh, into the future. You know, yep. in your even real time connections with youth, kind of what excites you about where the world or even where our church is headed because of their their bent, their perspective, their contribution. And, you know, maybe sort of similarly, like, where do you see the emerging generation leading us in the future? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think quickly my mind goes to some of the uh, maybe social justice activism that this generation uh holds on to uh certainly a lot more than than my generation did and uh and i think there's lots of opportunity there um i think i think in that in a, in a deeper conversation we could talk about how maybe the, the pendulum sometimes goes a little far and there's a lot of uh uh perception of activism and not real activism but that's a different conversation and that not to be condescending at all um but so i think i think there's a piece to that of uh of just um seeing I think the the way that social media has allowed this world, this generation to see the world um, more wholly, um, I, I think, and gives them opportunities to want to engage in it uh, even more close to home. If that if that makes sense, like when you can see kind of some of the issues at large in the world in bigger ways, um, then maybe it allows you to also see those things uh, closer to home. And like, I think when I, when I grew up, like I didn't, even though I grew up in different parts of the world, um, like you would see maybe some poverty on like a compassion commercial on TV every now and then, but, uh, the ways that the world, uh, allows students to see global issues. And, and even, even right now with the volcano that just erupted kind of thing, uh, recently and seeing just the devastation of another war country, um, being able to be aware of those things, I think helps them be aware of some of the brokenness in their own world. Um, so I think that's, that's one spot, but, but the, but then beyond that, I, I, I don't want to put a limit on, on how I hope the younger generations lead us. Um, uh, Fuller Youth Institute has done lots of really good stuff on, uh, they talk about giving, giving the keys, um, uh, like the keys of the church, making sure that, making sure that there's, there's a young person that holds a key to like as many parts of the church as you possibly can. And, and maybe not, they're, maybe not, they're, they're, they're not the only key holder, but like in the, in the worship ministry, make sure that, make sure there's like an emerging generations person that's holding a key. Um, and, uh, even, even when it comes to teaching ministries, it's like if you, if you have a team that's kind of helping you pick some, uh, the themes to talk on or debriefing talks, like, get some young people on those teams and, and invite them to uh, hold the keys and have some ownership. And so I think, um, I think sometimes we, we give lip service to saying we want students to, we want the young people to lead us now, uh, but then we don't really give them a platform to do it. Um, and, and it's hard to know exactly how to do that and where to do that. But so I, I think being intentional uh, to in as many ways as possible invite young people to the table um, because the more that they're at the table the more comfortable they get at the table and then the more uh, I think confident they're going to be uh, to rise up and lead in their young age but certainly in the years to come and so I think uh, I think whenever we have the eyes to see the potential of a young person for who they are today and who they're becoming and then leaning into that I think is, I think is huge. And so 
even when it comes to how we structure emerging generations ministries. And uh, I think there's there's sometimes the, the feel that, well, uh, the best way to get the kids connected is to just let them have fun, especially junior high kids. Like, just let it be fun, let it be fun. Like, yeah, of course, we, the connection is founded on letting them have fun. But then also, like, saying, but, like, this 12-year-old, this 13-year-old, um, they, they have the capacity to have a, like, world-changing relationship with Jesus today. <laughs> and, like, if Jesus gets a hold of this young person's heart today, like, imagine what can happen to their their, their family today, their school today. Uh, and then as that changes today, imagine what it can happen with their, their family and their school and their church tomorrow. And so I think just uh, I never want to sell short um, the capacity that a young person has uh, today. And I want to try to yeah, put my put yeah, just give them chances to to grow and to lead and invest in them. So that's fantastic and super inspiring, uh, not only to the members of Southridge that are listening, but uh, other leaders that track with us in this podcast of other ministries and other local churches. I guess as we wrap up, Judd, any final encouragements to all of us to make investment in the emerging generation? for the future of the church, uh, a greater priority? Uh, I mean, the encouragement is to do that, is to make that investment. Um, They say, uh, years ago, I read a book, and I'm sure there's even been more studies done on it, but uh, they say that the thing that will make the single most positive impact on the development of a young person, uh, it's not good sports programs, it's not good education programs, it's not good this, it's not that, it's, it's the presence of caring adults. Uh, at the end of the day, the thing that will make the single most positive impact on the development of a young person is the presence of caring adults. And so adults, and I'm talking to myself here too, but adults, like look around and where are the young people around you? Who is the 12-year-old? Who's the 16-year-old? Who's the 22-year-old? Um, who are the people that are around you? And then like name them. Uh, and then call them by name and look for ways to be present in their lives. And that, that doesn't mean you have to like develop a, a mentorship program or develop something. It just simply means being present in their lives. And uh, so to be present in their lives means you have some physical presence, you're, you're, you have some proximity, uh, but also to be present in their lives means to like try to care a little bit about what they care about. <laughs> um, be engaged in some of the things that they care about and let them know that you are present. And uh, as you are present in their lives, in an ongoing way, uh, there will inevitably be opportunities for you to uh, invest and and show that you care and and even lead and mentor and coach and all of those things. But, but it starts simply by being present. And so I think, I think that would be the challenge is recognizing that if you have a heart for young people, if you want to see the emerging generation, like become all that they can be and step into uh, leading the church, leading humanity into the seasons to come, um, don't wait for them to be an adult before you start paying attention to them. Uh, start today and be present in their lives. Because like I said, the thing that will make it the single most positive impact on the development of a young person is the presence of caring adults. So find those find those young people and care and show them you care and be present in their lives. That's a fantastic encouragement. Judd, thanks so much for being with us today. Really appreciate you uh, not just sharing some time with us, but uh, continuing from Starbucks, in student ministry, wherever, 
to be a real lead example of one of those adults that's being present in the lives of teenagers. Uh, really grateful for you and uh, appreciate the, the way that you were able to inspire us today. Cool. Thanks, Jeff. It's been fun. Uh, to all of you who are tracking with us, hope to see you again next week as we continue on in finding our way together. Take care, everyone. Have a great week. Thank you.